Thank you for listening to our weekly Baylife Church podcast. Make sure you visit our website, baylifechurch.org.au, where you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so that you'll never miss another message. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. So, uh, so I, thought, I just thought I'd just... <laughs> uh, now, I, I did walk in and thinking, oh my gosh, what have I walked into this morning? Because we haven't got cleaners operating at the moment and uh, so I'm, I'm a bit, when I heard about the big drop, is that what it's called? The drop. The drop. Sorry, the big drop doesn't sound as cool, <laughs> does it? Um, gee, I had a one message really prepared for this, for today and um, Robin said, what are you preaching on? I was so clear, yep, that's what I'm preaching on and I'm just reading through the Psalms at the moment and I don't know, God just sort of grabbed my attention and said, no, no, need to bring this word. And you'll know this this psalm that I'm going to share out of, but I hope I bring some application and some, I don't know, some fresh stuff for you here this morning. Because it it came out of, you know, when we did our holiday, our long service leave, there's lots of dry patches through Queensland and, and people saying, oh, when it rains here, it's amazing, but at the moment it's really dry. It's drought, and it's pretty horrible. And uh, and I just thought, wow, it's amazing what what rain can do. And there's a, a desert in Chile called the Atacama Desert. It's the driest place on earth, the most arid place on earth. Just think about that. Except for the North and South Pole. So um, typically, it only receives about half an inch of rain. 10 to 12 mils per year. There's weather stations there that they've never actually had rain in at the weather station. Never. Stunning. Stunning when you think about this. This place that I've got a photo of is called Death Valley. And uh, it's virtually uninhabitable. Like, things can't live there. It's just dirt. And, uh, And here's the thing. Every now and then... Uh, almost unexplainable because the valley's in between two large mountain ranges and it's very difficult to get rain in there. But they get a downpour and in this case, this was back in 2015, they received two inches or 50 mils within 24 hours. And this flowering desert phenomena happens as a consequence of that. And, And this place springs to life. And there's a photo there that is when they've had rain. And just go to the next one, thanks. And you see all the hills come to life as well. It's not just the valley, it's the hills as well. And it shouldn't really be called Death Valley, should it? It should be called Dormant Valley, right? Because it's not dead at all. There are seeds that lay dormant, waiting and wanting to spring to life. Um, Botanists have discovered more than 2,000 flower species at Atacama, um, several of which are very unique to the area. And here's the thing. I think it's the same thing for our lives. The same thing can happen to us. We can feel sometimes dead. We can feel sometimes darkness and discouragement and disappointment and dryness that have overcome us. And all we actually need is a downpour from heaven. And 
we need to get filled with the holy rain from above. And a few verses I found that, that fit well with this. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will come out of, oh, sorry, I'll pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, my blessing on your descendants. And then Joel 2, 28, 29. And afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And it's exactly the same verse Peter quotes as a consequence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The 120 in the upper room and the Holy Spirit pours down on them, in them. And as a consequence of that, he, he, he preaches to the 3,000. 3,000 get saved and baptised that day in Jerusalem. And the beginning, the start of the early church was ignited on the outpouring of God's Spirit. An outpouring that filled them and, and, and salvation and, and baptisms. Again, that dying to yourself and coming out of the water again. And, and I just started to think about that. And so I think, how do we flourish in our lives? How do we live a life that's flourishing? And how do we have a church that's flourishing? How, how, do, we, how do we do that? And it's got to be, we've got to be spirit-filled, of course. And as I said, I was reading through the Psalms and, and, uh, and you know, and there's a scripture, I'll just read you in a second, Psalm 92. But it's my belief that healthy things grow and flourish. And so as a church, as a pastor, my job is to keep things healthy. Can't make anyone grow. You know, you can't, just can't. But keep things as healthy as we can. And, uh, and, and you know, flourishing doesn't necessarily mean that you won't meet tough times, that you won't have tough circumstances, there won't be tough things going on in your life. Pruning, all those sorts of things that can happen. But it's actually keeping the soil as healthy as possible. And when we get that downpour from heaven, when we get that water, when we get that, that, that thing that comes that fills us afresh, then we start to flourish. Then we start to thrive. Then we start to step into. You know, Robin's, um, just talking about soil, Robin's uh, planted some uh, zucchini plants in pots in our, in our garden. And uh, great big pots, not little pots, great big pots. And uh, she's got two pots, and one is green and flowering and great big leaves on the thing, and, and it's beautiful. And the other one's like this little insipid plants. And they're, they're, they're not green, and they have got flowers, but they've only got tiny little flowers. And she said something interesting. She said, I'm sure that was the same soil, the same soil I used in both. And it was like, well, how? That's not possible because if one is thriving and one's not right next to each other, the same conditions, the only thing that's different is the soil in this one is very different. And I think that's for our lives. Sometimes things look the same, but they're very different. Let me read you this psalm anyway. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They'll still bear fruit in their old age, and they'll stay fresh and green. 
those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. You know, I remember being in a, a leaders meeting with our church many years ago. We were wrestling with this, this idea of how do we help people grow? How do we disciple people? How do we, you know, how do, we do that? And, uh, and, and one of the leaders in that meeting asked this question, exactly that question. How do we help everybody in our church to be as committed and believe in the vision, the purpose of the church as much as we do? Now, this is a group of leaders and you hope they're there and, and, and they are and they were. Or in other words, how do we help move believers in our church to become fully devoted followers of Christ, to go to the next level and to flourish in the house of the Lord? How do we do that? Well, the, the, the issue is we can only produce healthy ground. We can't make anyone do anything. You know? and, and we need individually, personally, to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis because we need that downpour because we can be like that dry desert in our lives and without the God component, without that infilling of the Holy Spirit, those seeds won't be germinated. We won't be living to the potential God has got for us and we'll be questioning everything around. Well, the quality of the ground must be wrong and this must be wrong and it's like, no, no. We need that infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and, and it's not easy but what I want to give you, in the next few times I preach, I want to talk about flourishing a little bit. And here's one component of that. So it's not the whole picture. So please, I can't give you everything in one, one message, particularly in the shorter messages we're doing now. But here's one component out of this scripture that I'd like to share. Let me just pray just before I get in. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. God, I thank you that you are here for each and every one of us, Lord, to, I don't know, minister to us, to heal what you need to heal, to... I don't know, remind us of the things that you need to remind us of, God. You're, you're an amazing God. You're so forgiving. You're so grace-filled. And, uh, and Lord, sometimes we forget that. God, but you died on that cross for us. You facilitated that, that infilling of the Holy Spirit on the 120 in that upper room for a purpose. And that was your church, the body of Christ. And so, God, here this morning, I pray you illuminate that which you need to illuminate to uh, bring transformation that you want to bring in our lives. And I pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Here's the thing. Seeds can't grow to their full potential unless they're planted. Right? Some a few seeds can grow and germinate on top of the soil, but most of them need to be put into the soil to, to be planted before they can actually flourish, before they can germinate, before they can start to do what they're meant to do. And Christ's followers can't grow to their full potential unless they're planted in the church, into the body of Christ. You see, it's not just attending. Attending's good. It's not just watching online. Watching online's good. But there's nothing like being planted in the house of the Lord. That's when the flourishing happens. And that's what I want to talk to you this morning about. How do we build a flourishing life? Here's the first thought. Here's a few thoughts on this, but here's the first one. People who are planted flourish. And, and Psalm 92.12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. You know, palm trees can flourish in all sorts of conditions. Hot, cold, deserts, even in cyclones, they can flourish. You, you know, palm trees are known for their flexibility. When those cyclones come, 
they can bend them over to the ground. You see the, 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 on the TV and that, you see these palms bent right over. And guess what? They actually come back stronger after the storm because it, it actually activates all their root system again and they actually grow more roots out and make themselves more stable. They come back even stronger as a consequence of that. And, and it continues to flourish even though the storms come. The followers of Christ, believers, um, who are planted in the house of the Lord, flourish during all seasons in life. And uh, good seasons and bad seasons. They can bend, but they don't break because they're planted into the house of the Lord. You know, I personally know many families over the years, particularly in, and even right now, in our church that have had very tough years, you know, and... Uh, They've suffered loss and trials and sickness and disease and financial pressure and pain and difficulties. And, uh, but the ones you know that are planted, they're still serving. They're still giving. They're still sowing into what they know God wants to build in this place. And they are flourishing as a consequence. Once the storm passes, they bend but they don't break. You know, they, they lean into what God wants, wants us to lean into because they're planted. They didn't give up on God. They didn't give up on the church. There's other people who can go through very similar circumstances. And for some reason, um, when difficulties come, they choose to walk away from God and or the church. And... Uh, and I don't know, I don't see very much good consequences of that, you know. But people who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. They bend a little in the storms, but they don't break. They rebound stronger as a consequence of that, as the storm passes. And it will, I guarantee you, it will pass, no matter what's going in your life. You know, they're the James 1 sort of people. Don't you hate this scripture? But, but you know, it, it's one that we have to read and go, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when, when we face trials of many kinds. No, we don't. We don't consider that pure joy. What's going on here? Anyway, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Ah, can't I get it another way? Isn't there another way I can get perseverance? But perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. You see, that's what the storm does. That's what perseverance does. It, it, it produces mature believers, believers who are flourishing in the Lord, even though the storms are there. And James 1.12 goes on, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. That's the first thought. People are planted flourish. People, and I'm talking to the converted here. You're here in church this morning. Maybe you've been coming for a long time. Maybe you haven't. Maybe it's a short time. Maybe there's an opportunity for consider, what does it mean to be planted in the house of the Lord? Because I want to flourish. What does that actually mean? What, what do I need to do differently as a consequence of that? Here's the second thought. People who are planted grow. You know, in, in verse 12 it continues, Righteous will flourish like a palm tree, they'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Now, a Lebanon cedar tree 
can grow up to 50 metres at full maturity. It takes 40 to 70 years, apparently, to grow to 15 to 20 metres. And then at 100 years old, they can be up to 50 metres. So they grow quite a lot over the whole span of their life. They actually grow more in the second half of their life than even their first, which is really interesting to me. Um, And this tree grows and grows and grows. And one of the qualities of a planted follower of Christ, I believe, a a believer, is they continue to grow. Some people can attend church for years and years and years and never seem to grow. And, And as a leader, as a pastor, it just frustrates me, confuses me a little bit, you know. Um, how, how, do we do, how do we help people grow? And very often, there's not much we can do except produce healthy soil and encourage people to grow, I guess, and, and, and share scriptures like this, I guess, you know. Um, and then there's others who, are, who, who just are going through tough times and yet you see them grow in the midst of the trials. And I remember talking to one guy um, after he'd been through a horrific season, like about two or three years of one after the other things. And he said, you know, I feel like we've come through that well now. And, and it was horrific. I, I'm not going to tell you the details, but it was horrific. And I loved his perspective on this. He said, I almost miss my desperation for God. I almost missed that reliance. I'm starting to be a little more self-reliant now. But I almost missed that reliance on God. And he grew so much in that, that season. He, he leaned, they as a couple, leaned into God every step of the way. And it shocked me a little bit because I've, I, I've sort of been a bit of a fair weather Christian, you know. And, and, and it's like I saw God do something significant in this, in this couple in the midst of these horrible things that you go, well, how could God allow that? Well, that's not fair. That's not a right, you know, they're followers of Christ. How can this happen? And yet, in the midst of the trials, as, as a consequence of going through the trials, this guy's going, I missed that. I actually missed my reliance on God. And it, it, as I said, it really concerned, it not concerned me, it just got me questioning everything we base our Western Christianity on a little bit because we think if, you know, we're, you know, we're followers of Christ, everything's going to go good for our lives. And that's not the way it works. Um, but we can continue to make a decision to grow, no matter what goes on. And, uh, and I think, you know, that, that's probably the thing I look for in, in people is their growth. I don't care how long you've been here or not. Just keep leaning in, growing, read, read the word, sow into people's lives, see what happens. You know, people who are planted grow. Third thought is, people who are planted produce fruit. You know, in verse 14, they will still bear fruit in old age. And that's an encouraging thought for me as I get older. They'll still bear fruit as they get older. See, that's right. People who are planted don't just attend church. They are fruitful in their attendance. They are fruitful in their contribution to what's going on here. You know, so we, we flourish, we grow and we're fruitful. You know, often you see that and their life is really about uh, making a difference in, in people's lives and for the kingdom of God. And they understand that God has called them to be fruitful followers in every step of the way. You know, um, 
John 15, 8. This is my Father's glory, to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So when we bear fruit, we show ourselves to be disciples of Jesus. You know, sometimes it's hard to articulate exactly what fruit is, I guess. But all I can tell you is, when we're planted, we'll produce fruit. It doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are, whether we're talking physical age or spiritual age. Uh, it, doesn't many, it doesn't matter at all. Everybody's responsibility is to stay fruitful in every season of life, whatever that means to you. You know, if you're a leader, lead. If you are a giver, give. If you are into hospitality, do that. Whatever it is, whatever God's gifted with you, gifted you with, has graced you with, do more of that. You know, stay in your zone, stay in your God's zone, stay in your track uh, and, and do whatever God's called you to do. Hmm. Okay, I'll keep moving. Forethought, people who are planted stay fresh. This is hard sometimes, you know. In verse 14, they'll bear fruit in old age, they'll stay fresh and green. Fresh and green. <laughs> anyway. I don't know if I want to be green, but anyway, I know what it represents because it represents the freshness of that, you know. Um, people are planted in the house, Lord, stay fresh. I guess it means, in other words, we stay on fire for God, no matter what's coming at us. There's nothing worse than a dried up, stale, crusty old, lukewarm Christian. <laughs> and add religious in there too, that's probably the other one that, that, that's, you know, and just, it's just like, gosh, don't be a Christian. Be something else. You know, you're not re- representing Jesus at all. You know? And uh, God, has, God hasn't called us to be dried up and stale. He's called us to be fresh and green. Green usually represents that fruitfulness, I guess, because usually fruit comes as a consequence of the greenness. God has called us to keep our zeal, our joy, our passion, our encouragement, our excitement for Christ and his body. You see, we can't be on fire for Jesus Christ if we're not on fire for his body because it's, he is the head and we are the body. We're connected, intimately connected. And he designed it that way. He, he describes it that way over and over and over again. Got to stay fresh in that, you know. Um, I don't know if we stay on fire for God, we can make a difference in this world. I'm telling you, uh, you know. John Wesley said this: "Catch on fire with enthusiasm for God, and people will come from miles away to watch you burn." <laughs> Not sure that's true, but probably is actually. You know. How do we catch on fire for God? How do we stay on fire for God? We must be planted in the house of the Lord. We must believe that this is God's design for this earth. Like this isn't fluke. This isn't plan B or C or D. This is plan A. He hasn't got another plan. This is it. And I just wanted to bring a reminder to you this morning that there's benefits, that we will flourish as a consequence of being planted in the house of the Lord the consequences are significant, 
But this is God's purpose on this earth. This is how he designed to build his kingdom on earth, through the church. The church is the hope of the world, and yet we don't even recognize it sometimes, you know, let alone the outside, you know, people who don't know God. And we've got to change that. We've got to start flourishing in our life. We've got to start living planted in a way that tells people we believe in the church. We just don't go to church. We believe in the church. The church is the body of Christ. It is the way God designed to meet this, the needs of this earth. Hmm. You know, Revelations is a, a great book. And, and uh, in, in this one, Jesus is talking to Christians through, through the writer in Ephesus. And he says this, and he's complimenting them in a certain way. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance that you cannot endure evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they're not and you found them to be false and you have you've perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary, which is fantastic. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Now notice there it's not lost your first love. You have left your first love. Now, that suggests to me it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice to maybe a series of small decisions to compromises. Small choices that can diminish the fire within us, to step back, to pull back. Tough times. Don't know what's going on. I'm going to pull back. Just a series of small decisions that somehow we have left our first love. And, you know, we need to stay fresh in his goodness and his mercy every day, you know. Um, In verse 5 it goes on, it tells us how to do that. It says, remember, bring back to memory your first love of Jesus. And that says, repent, repent, turn around, go the 180 degrees. You were going this way, go this way of unhelpful attitudes or a cold heart to him, then do whatever you need to do. Freshen up your faith. Do something. Take action. As you make a decision, take action into what you want to do next in Christ. Stay fresh is being planted. And the fifth and final thought. People who are planted love what Jesus loves. People who are planted loves what Jesus loves. Now, you know, you can say, well, love, God, Jesus loves God the Father. Yes, that's true. And he loves people. Yes, that's true. Um, he loves you and me. He loves the church. In fact, can I say with a bit more emphasis than that, he absolutely loves his church. He just doesn't love his church. He, it's like us. Uh, this might be a good example now I think about it. But it's like us saying, I love my head but I don't love my body. And for some of us go, well, you know, I could do a bit better in the body area, I guess. I could love it a bit more if I had did a bit more workout. And, but, but no, you can't separate those two things. They're, the, they're connected. They're the same thing. Whether we love our body physically or not, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. It actually is we're connected. You have to love both parts, you know? And, uh, and I think, let me give you this scripture, Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see, the body of Christ isn't just some abstract concept. 
I know sometimes we think that way. Oh, the body of Christ just describes the church. If you read it, it's really quite literal. Jesus is the head and we are the body. We're the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. We are the instruments he wants to use to do his purpose on this earth. This isn't a fluke. This just isn't a nice picture. This is actually the way it's meant to be. We are meant to be his hands and feet on this earth. If we're not doing it, he'll go aside and say, well, I'll do it with him then. I'll do it with her. And it's, it's, it's just the way it is. And it's one of the central ways that God uses to describe his body, his church on this earth. Hmm. You know, Jesus loves his church so much, he's passionate about his church. It's just not a it's just not a good idea. It's like he's passionate about it. If you read in, in Matthew 21, you know, he goes into the temple and it says, Jesus entered the temple area, drove out all those who were having buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the benches of the selling the benches of the selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. You see, I can't remember another time Jesus loses it like this. He goes into this place and he turns tables over and he's getting stuck into everybody. And it's about his love for the house of God. He wants his church to be a place of prayer, a place of worship, a place of praise a place of safety, a place where people come to get healed. And, and, and our church, see, this is talking about a physical building, but it's not a physical building anymore. Yes, we have a physical building, but, but it's not about the physical building. See, please, I know even straight away we do those, that picture of Jesus, you go, oh, well, we're talking about the church building. No, 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 no. You are the church. You and me are the church. You and me are the body of Christ. It's not designed for this four walls. It's designed for outside the four walls. You see, it's, it's a different perspective. And we are the church. We are the army of God. We are the family of God. We are, you can use all the, the pictures of, of the church if you like, but it doesn't change the, the fabric that Jesus is passionate about his church. He's passionate about the things of God. And, and of those things we've talked about. He loves a church so much, he's focused on building his church on this earth. You know, if you look at Matthew 16, he's talking to Peter. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. See, Jesus builds his church, and, and we just need to cooperate with him. That's what it comes down to. And, and whether we cooperate or not depends whether we're part of what, what the kingdom of God is building. And, uh, and, and it's important we never find ourselves isolated because we're easy prey for the enemy. And we're not part of the, the body then. We get isolated. And, and really, if you isolate any part of the body, it dies. You know, if you cut off a finger, it can't survive by itself. You know, you cut off an arm, it's a bigger bit. It still doesn't survive by itself. Cut off a leg, still can't survive. It's got to be connected to the body of Christ to actually be able to flourish and to thrive the way that God wants us to. You know, sometimes it's, it's easy and subtle to step back. Just attitudes, just 
oh, yeah, it's only church. You know, we're only going through, do the same thing every week, so it's all fine. You know, maybe a bit of holding back, a bit of compromise, a bit of, uh, you know, can't see any change happening. Can't, you know, maybe it's a fence. Maybe small-mindedness. You know, there's all sorts of reasons why people make small decisions to step back and step back, you know, and uh, it's not the way God will want it. He, he wants us wholeheartedly, passionately entering into what God's building here. And it takes sacrifice. It takes time. It takes energy. I, I get it. I know. I've done this for too long. I, I get it. But I just think that anything else is a compromise. It's not really what God would want. And, uh, and, and so the question out of that is, how are you contributing to build the body of Christ? How are you contributing to that? How are you sowing into that? Not how is the church doing building the body of Christ. No, no. You are the church. It's not the church. It's how are you doing? Make this personal a challenge for you personally. And, and uh, I don't know, I just, I just really felt to pray this verse. It's a bit weird and prophetic and out there a little bit, but, but it's, I don't know, just God directed me to it, so I'm, I'm going to pray it over you this morning. And it's actually Ezekiel 47. And it's actually, the subtitle of the, the, the chapter is um, The River from the Temple. And I just thought, this is significant. This is something that we can hold on to. Because there's something about this whole idea of the rain down from heaven, the water from heaven, that will help us stay flourishing, helping us grow, helping us become fruitful, stay fruitful, helping us in every season to stay fresh and helping us love what Jesus loves. And so let me read it to you here this morning. I, I might even have a screen for it. Do I? Yeah, I do. Let me pray it and read it to you. Let me prophesy over you maybe. That might be a better way to put it. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. The leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail. Every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. I love that. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. You see, that is truly being the body of Christ. Fruit, healing, wherever we are, bring God's words of healing and grace in every circumstance, every situation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for what you're doing here at Bay Life. God, we thank you for you, what you're doing in the church, capital C Church, across this earth. God, we, God, we, we repent for having some slack attitudes sometimes. God, we, we, we repent of pulling back. We repent for, I don't know, just not really being passionate about the church sometimes, God. But Father, here this morning, I pray your spirit refreshes and renews, sets up a flourishing in each one of us, God, that, that maybe we were like that dry desert.
that something of your spirit fills us afresh, brings a freshness, brings a fruitfulness, brings a flourishing that comes because of our uh, dependence on you, our asking to be filled with your spirit here this morning. Pray, I pray that, that attitudes need to be broken, transformed, that, that people's hearts need to be broken, I guess, as, as mine does sometimes, and uh, to be renewed and refreshed in the way you want it refreshed. And God, we give you permission that. In fact, we do more than that. We're desperate for it, God. We're desperate for it, God. Do what only you can do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I know that was a bit unusual message this morning, but uh, I pray God spoke to you. Oh, look, I can't do any more than that, really. So, uh, so I pray God deposits something in your spirit this morning. Let's do a song, hey? Thanks.